over in Innuendo fans, ad-free shows, podcast heat, house of wrestling, WWE creative-ish people, fans, everybody, welcome back to the party that is rumor in Innuendo. It is Monday afternoon. It is time for your first half-hour block of the week of rumor, Innuendo, news, speculation, all that great stuff. I am House of Wrestling's Nick Hausman, joined here as I am always by... Robert Karpolis, who does not understand Nick's uh, energy for a Monday morning. Oh. Dude, I know we're excited because Raw is back to three hours of commercials, but it seems a little excessive, man. Nah, dude, it's Monday. It's time to get it going. We're on the road to the road to WrestleMania. Rumble fever going on. WrestleMania 40 on the horizon. CM Punk's back. Randy Orton's back. And we got Drew McIntyre. He's out there. He's got everybody working themselves into shoots right now with all of his many, many comments. So we're going to talk about all that. We got updates on Brian Danielson's role in releasing CM Punk. We got AEW revenue numbers to get to. We got tons and tons to get to. And at the end of the show here today, I'm going to do my big Tony Khan. I'm going to do my big Tony Khan impression. Start the week off here. At the end of the show today, we have a huge announcement, a big announcement to make at the end of the show, Robert. I'm excited in part because I have no idea what the big announcement is. Uh, I will say, look, first of all, happy one week anniversary to rumor and innuendo. We are still officially the longest running video podcast and ad free shows and podcast heat history. And congratulations to Nick Hausman, who went a minute and seven seconds before mentioning CM Punk. Hey, you know, uh, we're all working on it. You know, you got to scratch that itch, get that figure uh, itch going on, as they say. Um, so we have, like I said, big show today. Um, I don't want to waste anybody's time. I will say if you are watching us live, you're watching us on X, you're watching us on the house of wrestling, YouTube channel, the rumor and innuendo wrestling, uh, YouTube channel. So go find us there to watch us live, subscribe to the podcast feed. If you want to get this show after you watch it, uh, recorded live on all these various video platforms. Um, we're going to start off the show today talking about Drew McIntyre. Now you wanted to make uh, a conversation piece out of what is going on with this Royal Rumble poster, Robert, and why did you feel we needed to talk about the 2024 WWE Royal Rumble poster? So the Royal Rumble poster historically is one of the most important things WWE puts out from an internal perspective. You hmm. have a lot of people that there's their pictures are on there. Some of these previous Rumble posters are iconic. And you have a chance to put more than one superstar, two superstars. There's at least, I didn't count, but there's at least a dozen superstars that are up on there, uh, men and women. And Drew McIntyre, not on the poster. I think it's a cool-looking poster. The fact that he wasn't there is now being used as further cannon fodder, for further fuel for his storyline. My hope, my guess, my expectation, the rumor and innuendo is that this is part of Drew's, I'm being aggrieved, look how I'm being treated by the company. Whether it is or it isn't, you have to admire that he's he's making chicken salad out of, I don't know if we're allowed to curse on here Do or not. You chicken excrement. How about that? We'll, we'll go polite. Um, but the fact that Drew was not on that poster, but they got CM Punk's face on that poster, I love the possibilities that they have there. I'm hoping there are levels and layers to this story and that this is yet another chance for Drew to be the human embodiment of FSU, a guy who has all the reasons to say he deserves a shot, but everybody doesn't like him and doesn't want to see him succeed, much like Florida State. 
Fair enough. Uh, I don't understand anything about college football, but I, you know, this whole situation as we talk about it and as I was like reading about it this morning, I mean, it feels very much what AEW like wants to do or wanted to do with MJF, right? You know, they wanted yes. to do this whole speculation based off these little breadcrumbs. We'll leave him out of press releases. You know, he'll be teasing things. It's not quite as heavy handed the same, but it's pretty similar. And I'm a little torn on this one. I can't tell if this is some elaborate plan that WWE and Drew McIntyre have cooked up, or if this guy genuinely just is like frustrated and like wants to get out because it hasn't been a secret. I mean, I feel like every couple of weeks, some huge story or not huge story. Some story has popped up about Drew McIntyre, creative frustrations, placement frustrations, looking to get more money on the other side with AEW. I've definitely had more than a handful of people point out to me that Drew uh, could pick up a huge bag of cash if his contract expires before all in next year and can Tony Khan can somehow get Drew McIntyre before that big UK show. So, you know, I'm not I'm not entirely I'm not entirely sure what is going on with Drew here right now. And that's kind of the fun. I mean, he's leaning in to this story. And every time that he's out there cutting a promo, it is the perfect mix of real world and storyline. The fact that he's been positioned the way he's positioned as long as he has been, his frustrations, the fact that we know about his frustrations, some of them within the confines of, I'm mad at the bloodline, I'm mad at Jey Uso, whatever, some of it, hey, I was your champion during the COVID era. I'm sorry it happened during the COVID era. I didn't drop the ball, so give me another chance to be your champion. And him being this heel who speaks the truth could be an opportunity a catalyst for him to really catch fire and we've seen in the wwe we saw it with we've seen it with jay Uso, we've seen it with Sami Zayn. you never know what's gonna uh, connect with the crowd and this may give drew a chance to really show what he can do and wwe to say you know what we really got to lock this guy down he's worth whatever they're gonna potentially offer him I don't know if he goes to AEW if his frustrations are going to be alleviated based on what we're hearing from a lot of folks in AEW right now. Yeah, I mean, for a lot of the same reasons, it would sound that AEW would want him with the All In Show. It's like, man, yeah, it's not like WWE doesn't have big business they would like to be doing in the UK and know the drawing power that Drew uh, McIntyre brings along with that. I will believe it when I see it uh, in regard to to Drew w leaving WWE if that's the case, just because. I've always heard really good things said about him there. I feel like the money's good there. I feel like the company has a hot hand right now. There's just a lot of things going in WWE's direction. And, you know, they, look, we'll see how they handle Will Ospreay over in AEW. I mean, he's been a regular figure there and has been presented well. But, you know, I I just, I, if I'm Drew McIntyre, I'm sitting, I'm waiting, I'm looking at seeing how some of the big names that they've brought in recently have fared after they've signed with the company because again wwe's hot right now man and they're using a lot of people really 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 well at the moment wwe's hot and there's clearly an opportunity and a space for drew i don't think it's out of the realm of possibility to say that drew is going to wind up uh world champion again with this heel run he could be the guy to to upend seth now whether that's he upends seth and then priest cashes in and then he has another reason to complain i don't know but he's got the look, he's got the size, he's got the in-ring skill, and it looks like they're putting a storyline for him that really fits his personality better than Vince McMahon giving him 
a sword that's the ghost of his mother while he's telling Scottish folklore. I'm shocked that didn't get over, but, you know, Vince is the creative genius of uh, WWE. Well, when you stay up until, you know, 3 o'clock in the morning watching those old-school 1950s Disney movies, you know, there's a lot of that kind of uh, Scottish-Irish folklore heritage, I think, that, that filters into your brain. I don't know if anybody remembers what vintage old-school Disney movies were like in the, the 50s, 60s, 70s, but there was a lot of this is going well. Um, <laughs> before we get to the next WWE topic here, uh, of course, the chat room is open. I didn't call it out up top. If you want to be a part of the show, you want us to pull your comments up on screen. Uh, Mike Milaro, uh, the announcement at the end of the show that I'm teasing, is it Ric Flair joining rumor and innuendo? No. No, I'll, I'll rule that one out. Is oh. is Michael Burgett wants to know, is the big announcement that there's more Billy Corgan and CW news? You know what? If we have time for it, we'll get to it here later in the show. I didn't realize uh, Rick wasn't joining. I'm going to have to let the 18 to 20 year old single women that we've notified. Uh, ladies, you guys, can, you can stick around and watch the rest of the show. Nature Boy ain't going to be here. Terribly sorry. Apologize to the ladies. Um, all right. Randy Orton is back into the WWE fold here. He was signed to SmackDown officially this past Friday night on SmackDown. There was like a, a war between Nick Aldis and and uh, Adam Pierce uh, about who was going to get the, the big free agent, Randy Orton. Ultimately, end of the day, Nick Aldis, the SmackDown brand, won out. They made the case that if Randy Orton came to SmackDown, he could take care of the bloodline, the people that took him out. And uh, that's where we're heading here. Um, Wrestling Observer had reported on Friday morning that Orton was in contention for the big match against Reigns at the Royal Rumble. Uh, before we get to this other Orton note here, I would say that seems like a pretty pretty sure bet at this point based off the build we got that started last uh, Friday night. Would you say so? Yeah, I think we talked about it even right coming off of war games. We said that the clear path for Randy Orton is he is a fantastic Roman Reigns opponent for the Royal Rumble. Royal Rumble is a show that they know the audience is tuning in for the Rumble match itself. You have a lot of different flexibility of who you can plug in for that world title and universal title match. I think a returning Orton is a guy who's going to bring a bunch of different set of eyeballs. He's a he's been there for 20 years. He's someone who transcends the current generation. So you're going to get some of those casual fans, maybe some of those fans that are excited about Punk's return to also be there and say, yeah, I want to see what happens with Randy Orton. He's got a built in story. He looks fantastic. And as much as I love Orton, want to see him there for another decade. I don't know how many more bites at the apple you're going to get for him to be a top tier performer. Get every great match you can out of him. All due respect to L.A. Knight. <laughs> hey, L.A. Knight's still getting big pops right now. Um, I, I thought Randy Orton came across like a big star here. I'm interested um, with Punk now uh, tonight on Monday Night Raw. Are we going to get to see a direction that he's going finally on Monday Night Raw? Are we going to get to see him and Seth finally teasing something together? Um, or because Punk's going to be on SmackDown this Friday night, do we wait and see something there with him like how, how are you seeing tonight playing out is he announced for raw tonight i've seen they announced him for smackdown because on smackdown on friday they were hyping tune in next friday to see punk as part of tribute for the troops i know raw tonight is it's seth rollins versus jay uso for the world title that's your big story i don't know if punk is necessarily advertised yet for raw the smackdown tease is for him to kind of poke at paul Heyman a little bit and set up something down the road until we actually can pull the trigger on most likely Seth and Punk. 
I feel like it'll be weird for wrestling fans if Punk's not on Raw tonight, right? Just because wrestling fans are so conditioned now that if you see like a wrestler on a brand or something like that, you're like, oh, they're around. Like, I, I would guess that there are people tuning in to Monday Night Raw tonight thinking they're going to see CM Punk and would, would be let down if they don't if that does not happen. My guess is if he's there, it's going to be a continuation of what we saw on SmackDown with Adam Pierce losing out on Randy Orton. Maybe it's Pierce trying to commit Punk to a, an exclusive Raw contract, uh-huh. knowing that Punk's going to be going to SmackDown on Friday, and we're continuing to tease what's going to happen on Friday night. Maybe that's just me putting my my creative team hat on of how the best way to use Punk without using him. That it's not Punk involved in a storyline. It's where's Punk ultimately going to land? Is he going to be on Raw? Is he going to be on SmackDown? We all know he's going to wind up on Raw, but just play along, guys. Let's pretend. I also think it's interesting that like Punk's like I guess third appearance, if he doesn't appear tonight, will be like on the tribute to the troops episode, which is like you know like I'm not saying the guy is like anti troops or anything, but just doesn't smack to me as the like Hulk Hogan waving the American flag rah rah guy. I definitely looked at that and they're like. You're back. You're going to do the tribute to the troops thing. <laughs> You're going to be out there helping us bring attention to this pro-America cause. I don't know. It just felt a little odd to me. It's it's a little strange to have Punk out there for the tribute to the troops, but tribute to the troops isn't really a thing anymore. It's just a name for an episode of SmackDown. Well, but that's what it used to be, right? Like I was I had to go back and look at the history of tribute to the troops because it's uh, of this is what I do with my life at some point because I was writing about it. And like I think the first like one, two, maybe three were like SmackDown themed episodes of tribute to the troops. And then it became kind of like its own thing. I mean, it was we were flying to the Middle East when I was there and and doing shows in, in Afghanistan and Iraq and they were like, who on the company wants to volunteer to go? And I'm like, you know what? As much as I would love to go and do that, um, you know, terribly sorry, but I think I have a uh, – I can't even think of a good excuse, but there's no way in hell I'm flying to a war zone, war zone. <laughs> because, you know, damn it, these people are there because they want to see Heidenreich. They are putting their lives on the line. They deserve to see Gene Snitsky live and in person. Sorry to the troops. I'm sure I was the make or break for them being at those events. Uh, kudos to my coworkers who went there and did that and had some insane stories of what it was. Now it's a date on the calendar. You call it tribute to the troops. You, I'm sure there'll be an opportunity for them to do a video package and solicit some donations. Putting Punk on there, pop a nice rating. They're doing Charlotte Oscar on this mat on this show. It can't hurt to highlight it. And that U.S. tournament, which further exemplifies why you want Orton on SmackDown. You have all this great young talent. You have all this great untapped talent that's getting an opportunity to be exposed in this U.S. title tournament, which I know this is going to be tough, Tony. I I know you're listening. The winner goes on to the next round. The loser doesn't have to do math, and he's no longer wrestling. It's a bizarre concept. What I do love... Friend of friend of the show, member of the Ad Free Show's family, Jim Ross, on his podcast, Grilling JR. Absolutely go check that out. Uh, on his last episode on Christian, they were teasing an upcoming show about WCW. And he was talking about how they're going to talk about a WCW round robin tournament and how it was his idea. It was a bad decision. It was confusing. Fans didn't get it. 
So clearly, JR, unaware the company is currently working for, doing an incredibly convoluted round robin tournament. Jim, you're the best in the business. We love you. You know, I'm not on the I'm not on the convoluted bandwagon. I it just I also think it speaks very poorly of American pro wrestling fans, where it's like American wrestling fans just can't they just can't wrap their heads around it. You know, they can't do math. They can't follow things. They need they need an immediate gratification. You're in you're out that kind of deal i'm also not a huge fan of the tournament for other reasons but i do think that it is rather dismissive of americans that were like oh the guys that can't do math and have States. you seen the the graphic they built looks like something you'd see on the sats i've seen it it's not that complicated it's, it's incredibly a, complicated it's a grid you go like this you go like that there's the match that's how many points a three-point win one point for a draw, zero stop, points if stop. you lose. No, because it's a it's a math word problem that involves a graph and gridding and plotting. And I, if I'm, this if this is your like like niche world that you're in, this is a great time for you to be a wrestling fan. As an average fan, they want something straightforward. I think it was something that that Bruce Pritchard said, where he said, if you give someone a reason to have to take a second look at something, you're giving a chance for them to go look at something else and lose interest. You want to make it as easy and simple and straightforward as you can. I think the tournament rules for the round robin thing are a little convoluted for an average fan who just wants to know what is the intent in this match. It's obstacle and intent. It's storytelling. Well, and I think that's the thing here is it's very easy sometimes when you're like, oh, we need to give matches like meaning. So you get real bogged down into the kind of logistics of, well, win, loss, advance, not advance, these match worth points. When it's like the the real the reality is people want to see the continuations of stories, right? Yes. Like they, they want to see things that are like not that they have to be explained to why this is important. They just need to feel this is important, which is what tournaments can often mask in the storytelling. And it's really just kind of spread out across. But that's a different topic. I like the wordle. I like the wordle grid. I like the numbers. I'm an I'm a numbers person. I like looking at the chart, seeing who's had matches, seeing who's won. I saw Brody King has had two big victories. I wouldn't have known that without the Wordle grid. And I'm sure your life is richer having Lucky. known that Brody King has won two matches of this tournament to win three titles and a trophy. And a trophy. And a trophy. And a, belt. And a, a belt. A belt is what holds up your pants, Nick. Okay, God title. damn it, it's a, a title. Championship. A championship. A leather, a leather championship. Have some pride. Coach Keith Morrison saying Starcade 1989. Was that like this? Did this also did they that also was the have... Jim that was the Jim Ross uh the upcoming thing? Thank you, Coach Keith. Okay. For for keeping me honest on that here. And and Michael Burnett here saying the simple way, or Mer Michael Burgett, the simple way, if they want to show the graphic, just show the total points. You don't need to show the wordle grid of who got points where i guess is what he's saying fine like wrestling fans don't want to see a punnett square on tv <laughs> i think it's fun makes you think anyway i'm alone in this i know i am one more randy orton note and then we have one more orton note one more punk note and we'll get to some more AEW stuff first of all orton his deal with wwe according to fightful set to expire sometime in fall of 2024 but time could be added due to the 18 months he spent off while injured. Sometimes you get time added. If that's the case, then we've got Randy Orton for nearly three more years. Um, but he he flashed the 10 
at Survivor Series and seemed to insinuate that he had 10 more years of this. So I, I don't see Randy Orton in AEW. I see Randy Orton just like re-signing until his career is done and then he will retire. I thought the 10 was assigned to the Young Bucks. Isn't that everything on WWE TV is directed at the Young Bucks? Yes. Yeah. I don't. Th- by the way, the thing about adding time on at the end of contract. Yes, theoretically, WWE could do that for a guy who has been so valuable and so essential to the company. You're not going to hold him like an indentured servant. You will most no. likely wind up renewing him to a long contract. He is a WWE guy for life. He is going to make money off of this company for the next 30, 40 years. It's a story, but it's not a real story. Yes, I agree wholeheartedly. And you know what? You're right. I did it. I figured it out. If you put the 10 on either side of your head, look what I am. Look what I am, Robert. I'm a buck, right? Wow. I'm a, I'm, I'm a buck. I'm a, I, if you can't see this because you're listening to podcast form, you're missing out. I just put antlers on my head, just like Randy Orton, obviously sending messages to the other side. Nick, what do we got next? <laughs> <laughs> you have this. You have the run sheet. You're steering this thing here. You mentioned it, Punk. Right? You mentioned Punk. We haven't talked about Punk again in 20 minutes. All right. The last thing about Punk is there is uh, the Observer report that he's not allowed to talk about AEW on TV because he's got some kind of NDA that prevents him from doing that. Now, I how do they know that he has an NDA? Because that would violate the NDA by just saying you have an NDA. Right. Uh. If he said he had an NDA, then he's got an NDA. It's a real quagmire there. It's a Schrodinger's NDA. So I, I, I've asked around a lot about this. I, I do believe there are NDAs tied to what happened at all out. I have heard about that particular incident, having NDAs attached to it. I will reiterate, I don't really know that that's the case here with Punk and AEW over the termination. I'm very much of the belief that, to- that I don't think there was like a, if you give me this, uh, if I'll sign this NDA, if you give me your termination, that's not under the impression I met. I'm not saying it, it, it's not true. I'm just saying I'm not under that impression. If, if the, I believe that the NDAs Dave is referring to are of that all-out incident. I have not heard of any NDAs outside of that particular all-out incident. That would make sense. I don't think that an NDA about his termination would be necessary, again, because AEW came out and said he was fired. Right. You don't need an NDA otherwise. Well, one person who is talking about his termination, I'll throw in here, CBS Sports Radio spoke with Brian Danielson. He did confirm the Fightful report that he's part of the AEW disciplinary committee, but disputed the fact that he's the head of that committee that made the decision on Punk. He noted there were lawyers in there. Kind of played down the fact that it was is his final call. Um, wished Punk well. Said he's a friend. And again, I think Danielson did the guy a favor here. I think he did everybody a favor. He made the one call. And again, he's saying it wasn't his call. But it seems like his voice had a lot of meaning in the situation. And I, if look, he made the call I think nobody wanted to make. And I think it was the right one. He's one of the best guys in wrestling. He made the right decision. He looked at this as objectively as possible and when in doubt, pass the heat to the lawyers. <laughs> they could take it. Is that, is that is that your whole life? You just people throwing heat on you all day, Robert? That is my entire life. Yeah, that's my purpose on this show <laughs> is is to be the the lawyer that people want to get mad at and, and blame because when I put you under NDAs and you're not allowed to talk about stuff, but I promise at some point we will get to some of the uh, – Billy Corgan, NWA, CW stuff. Again, if there's time today, I know we have a couple other stories to get to and a big announcement that's coming up 
I'm saying this as if you're going to like tune out in the middle of the, the, the podcast big, you're listening to. Big announcement, maybe some Billy NWA stuff. Um, one other thing I know you wanted to talk about on today's show was the Observer report about the amount of money that AEW has grossed in revenue, uh, according to their report here, over the last four years. So I'll, I'll go down the list here. According to the Observer, uh, in 2020, they grossed $64 million. 2021, they grossed $86 million. 2022, 100 plus million. And then this year, estimated 170 to 175 million. Why did this particular item grab your attention, Robert? Because it's a weird story to come out when you're talking about gross versus net. A company mm-hmm. can make $174 million. How much did they lose? And they were, I think part of it is they're trying to position this as this great, amazing story about the success of AEW. AEW in this fiscal year would have launched a new television show on TNT. They launched the, they had the all in event, which I'm sure drew a hell of a lot of money for them. And their video game came out. So those three things right there would have absolutely explained a huge surge in gross revenue. The key comes down for, for health of the company is net. And Tony's answer that he gave was, well, anything we bring in, we just reinvest back in the company, which makes it very tough if this is a company you're trying to look at the health and viability of the overall business, or if this ever were to go public or any of that, you shouldn't be releasing some of these finance numbers without releasing the whole picture, because it seems a bit deceptive when you're saying, we made all this money, but yet how much did you actually wind up losing? And when you're trying to instill faith in people... To me, that struck me as a little odd. Just don't talk about it. If you're a private company, you can just say, we're doing great. Here's some of our our you know attendance figures. But people are seeing that they're posting the pictures of empty seats. They're they're saying, you know, the I know the event that's coming up at the end of this month, there's still tickets available and it's only an eight thousand seat uh, venue. It's you're trying to tell a rosy picture, but you're not telling the full picture. And it strikes me as a little odd when some of these stories get posted out there. You're not seeing the full picture. Well, and when you say it's odd, right? Like the new question, why? Why is it being presented this way? Why is it being presented so oddly? Is is it as simple as the TV rights negotiations that are about to take place at the top of 2024? And Tony trying to project the idea that AEW is this viable, profitable pro wrestling endeavor that if you are a uh, media place, you're going to want to continue to to get behind them because this thing is growing and is becoming more profitable and this thing has legs and, and you want to stay behind it. Is that is that what I'm supposed to glean from this? I hope not because I've been involved in TV rights negotiations in my life in a, in a variety of different fields. And when you say, here's what we grossed, they're relatively smart people. are going to ask, okay, how much did you net? How much did you lose? How viable is your company? Because if I'm going to give you TV airtime, which I know is slightly less valuable in 2023 than it was before, it still has value. I want to make sure you're going to be there because I'm putting you on in lieu of something else. Show me how healthy your company is. And to say that we grossed all this, fantastic. Are you going to be around next year? Yeah. And and that's the thing is, I, I just, I'm wondering again right now, just putting myself into the shoes of whoever wanted this information out there, likely AEW. Why the projection of strengths right now? One reason I see is the TV rights thing. There's also just this growing narrative again about like how hot WWE is at the moment. I don't know if 
this is like, oh, if we could show fans like, hey, look, this is a profitable thing. Maybe that'll turn attitudes. But this doesn't feel like something directed at fans. I don't think fans care. This is this is directed at either TV people, ad people, business people of some kind that I feel like Tony is trying to flex forward, get this word out somehow. That's what it feels like. No, but I also think there because there is that tribalism and people want to say my camp is doing better than the other camp. They can say, look at how great AEW is doing. We just earned $174 million. That's not entirely what those numbers show. And when I read that, it just struck me as odd. All right. Um, well, a couple quick items here before we wrap up. Uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in here. Thanks for jumping in the comments. I will point out that Ricochet, now back in action, came back at a house show uh, over the weekend. Um, he beat Bronson Reed. He'd been off TV here for concussion protocol after that weird fatal four-way match that he screwed up the double pin on so very happy to see that and also i don't know if you had a chance to watch this video or not but there was a fan who tried to jump the rail attack grayson waller at another live event was promptly uh put to the ground tossed over the barricade and it looks like he was arrested i'm trying to get a hold of the police department to find out what happened with this fan but man that's heat it's it's he i will praise grayson waller if you saw the clip they show the guy already being subdued Waller immediately starts doing a cocky walk after to turn it into, let me figure out how to maximize heat. We've seen him do it with the Taylor Swift stuff online. We've seen that he is just, he knows how to play this game so well. He's really, really talented. And a nickel's worth of free advice to those of you from, from, an, from an attorney, not giving you legal advice, but don't jump the barricade in an event. No. It's never going to end well. Hunter's not going to see it and be like, give me that guy. I want to sign that guy. Like, there's no good reason for you to jump a barricade at an event ever. And there's no good reason to get naked and run around. It's a small world at Disney World either. Yeah, don't do that. that. While we're talking about things to not do, don't do either of those things. Don't be naked on something that has the words, it's a small world, because the joke is already going to be there at your expense. Lastly, I hear Rocky Romero. He chatted with Fightful. He says he's not the AEW devil, but whoever oh, is, whoever is, is going to make a lot of money here. It's not chaos. It's not Rocky, Trent, Chuck, Chris Statlander, Orange Cassie. What a swerve. What a twist that would be if it was the best friends behind this whole thing. Yeah. you. I mean, that would have been a license to print money. Um, not money that you could use. But the kind of money that Tony can say we earned another hundred and seventy-four million dollars. Where are my Okada bucks? Where are my Okada bucks? I have some around here somewhere. Um, all right, it is time for the huge announcement to wrap up the show here today, and we got a big one. We're going to welcome our first guest onto the show here in about a week's time. Next Tuesday, join me, Robert, and Chavo Guerrero as we are going to talk about the Iron Claw. I had a chance to go to the press screening. We talked a little bit about it on Friday. I'm not allowed to talk about the movie at length until the embargo lifts on Tuesday, December 12th. And I figured, why just have me talk about it when you could hear from somebody who produced it, who's in it? The whole nine yards helped train Zach Efron how to be a wrestler. He could talk freely about the film on this day. The first time he'll have a chance to do that, we're going to get Shavo here on Tuesday, Robert. I'm so excited to for Chavo to be here. I'm excited to see Chavo. I haven't had a chance to talk to Chavo since we worked together a very long time ago. I had a, I loved working with Chavo. He's one of the best, 
again, one of the nicest guys in wrestling and the career that he's built for himself outside of wrestling, doing a lot of this production work on a lot of these different shows, he's adding a tremendous amount of credibility to everything that he does. And if you've just seen the clips in the trailer of Iron Claw, not that I want you to violate your NDA, don't violate your NDA, relax. But the wrestling looks, I mean, perfect. Those guys look like they could go tomorrow. Yes. Yeah. And you know what? I'm not spoiling anything when I say the wrestling is actually one of the stronger points of the film. So easy. Uh, Don't and, tread, and la- tread the line. And lastly, here, a press release went out this morning as a reminder to everybody Starcast going down under a week after WrestleMania, heading down to Australia. Tickets go on sale on December 18th. Uh, go get your tickets if you're down in Australia to go check out Starcast down under. I've been to every Starcast. Do you, I don't know. Maybe Conrad will fly us down for that. If Conrad flies us down for it, if he makes sure it's like a comfortable experience, I think we'll be there. But I don't know. I'm not holding my breath. My hope, and I know nothing, is if StarCast Down Under is not sponsored by Manscaped, someone's dropped the ball. Oh, that's true. Wow. Would, I've never been to Australia. That feels like a very long flight. But my guess is the Podfather, our, our benevolent benefactor here, will figure out the most comfortable way to fly to Australia and we will happily follow his lead. If he wants to fly us down yeah, to, uh, to beautiful Australia. I know I, 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 they announced, I think they've announced publicly two of the folks that are going to be there. Correct. I'm yeah, I, when uh, I Googled Brett, it, I saw Brett Hart and Mickey James, yep, which Brett, is going to be awesome. Brett, Brett's first time in Australia in 20 years will be for this event. I mean, that's going to be amazing. If you're down there, what a chance to to meet Bret Hart and hear about how he revolutionized Australian pro wrestling. Hey, he, he made it his own, right? I think we all remember when he was pro-Australia and anti-United States. What a time, right? The 90s. What a wild place. All right, everybody, that brings us to the end of the show today. Thanks so much for tuning in live. Again, all these X platforms, you can find us. House of Wrestling, ad-free shows, Rumor and Innuendo YouTube channel. And, of course, if you can't catch us live in video form, Go subscribe to Rumor and Innuendo on your preferred podcast platform. Nice reviews, comments, very much appreciated. Help drive us up the charts and keep this show alive. Um, I am at Nick underscore Houseman over on Twitter, and you can go find more about me and what I do over at House of Wrestling, H-A-U-S of Wrestling.com. Robert? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at WWCreative underscore I-S-H. I have another podcast on ad-free shows called Wrestle Roasts. Uh, so on behalf of of the delightful Nick Hausman. I'm Robert Karpolis. Best of luck in your future endeavors.